Welcome to the early educational years. This is a Facebook Live, Instagram, and Q&A all in one. Wow. And yeah, this is crazy. So anyway, here we are. I'm excited to be here. I'm Dorenda Wilson. If you don't know who I am, um, I am married to Daryl and we've been married for almost 32 years. We have eight kids ages 16 to 30 and we have been homeschooling for over 25 years. We also have seven grandkids and obviously with our kids being that old, we have seven graduated out of the eight. So we just have one high schooler left at home. Today um, on the Facebook Live, I have my daughter, Jenna. She's our second daughter. Um, she is married to Sam and they have two kids, Abby, who's six and Jazer, who's two. And uh, they are the cutest things ever. And I'm not just saying that because I'm their Nana, but welcome, Jenna. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> All righty. So here we go. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the early educational years, and that would be kindergarten to third grade. My new book, The Four-Hour School Day, is launching in, ooh, look at it, two weeks. But today, you could win a free copy that will be mailed to you and in your hands before it's even available in bookstores or online. All you have to do is drop in a comment or a question while we're live, and you'll be added to the drawing that will happen at the end of the broadcast. Next week, I'll be doing another Facebook Live, same day, same time, and I'll be discussing the middle year. So we're going to be talking fourth to sixth grade, approximately. So feel free to email me those questions, dorenda at dorendawilson.com, or drop them into the comments when we post the announcement later this week on Instagram and on Facebook. I mentioned before that we've been homeschooling for over 25 years and have graduated seven of our eight kids so far. I always say it was one of the single best decisions my husband and I ever made. I'm convinced that most parents are perfectly capable of home educating their kids once they understand how doable homeschooling really is. And it's the main reason that I wrote the four-hour school day. I wanted parents who were already homeschooling or who were considering it to realize that the idea that it has to take seven or eight hours a day is a huge misconception. That simply isn't true for many reasons. One main reason is that it's a well-known fact that a low student-teacher ratio makes a huge difference in the success of a child's educational experience. And um, what lower student-teacher ratio than when you're home with your kids? Even with eight kids, that was still a way lower student uh teacher ratio, even at our house, right? That wasn't 25 or 30 kids. You know, there's the interruptions, the just the distractions that can and do happen in a classroom. And I have spoken to many, many teachers and asked them, you know, how much learning time actually happens in the classroom? And they'd say just a fraction of the time. So that right there is pretty a pretty convincing argument um, that homeschooling is efficient and effective and that it can be done in four hours or less. When I mention four hours, I'm just going to be honest, I'm talking about high schoolers, not your kindergartner. I say kindergartners are like zero to 30 minutes. <laughs> and there, there's a lot of reasons for that. But Another reason that it doesn't take very long when, when we homeschool, doesn't have to take seven to eight hours a day, is that when we home educate, we can customize our kids' learning to focus on what our child actually needs and what they're interested in and what they're ready for. So it's actually very efficient. And add to the fact that children are learning all the time, especially when they feel safe and secure in that stable home environment, you 
at that point, you obviously, with all those things put together, have a fantastic advantage over the traditional classroom. So let's get started talking about the early educational years. Now, if you think of questions while I'm talking, go ahead and drop them into the comments. As long as we're broadcasting live, I can I can read through those questions. Um, if you're watching the recorded version, um, you could email me if you wanted to, or maybe just listen all the way through and your question might be answered. Um, all right, so if you also, those of you who are listening, some of you are veteran homeschooling moms, or you've been at this for a while, even, you know, three or four years or whatever, or you have a suggestion that's working for you, and you want to answer someone's question with something different than what I've already mentioned, because there's there's more than one answer to most questions, right? I would love that. We are putting our heads together. This is about community, not competition. So if you guys have ideas and answers that you found helpful or suggestions, feel free. Drop them in the comments. Totally do that. All right. Lastly, check out the four-hour school day by going to DorendaWilson.com. If you pre-order, you're going to receive the devotional that I wrote to go with the book for free. All right, so the first thing I want to mention before we get started on the Q&A is I want to read a little bit from my book because I did promise that in the announcement. Um, Just to give you a little taste of what's in this book, I have a list of things to bear in mind during this particular developmental phase for your kids. Um, It's so important that we understand where our kids are developmentally during this time because it helps us better um, sort of gauge what it is they're ready for, what they're not ready for, and understand, you know, when something isn't working for them. So there are developmental differences, this is important, between boys and girls. That's an important thing to note. Boys are typically 6 to 12 months less mature than girls at this stage, um, which means it may take them longer to learn some skills. That's not always the case, and we all know... From experience, five of our eight kids are boys. They will blow. They will blow forward very quickly. They do these, like, I feel like they do these big leaps. It's like inch, inch, inch. They sprint. They go from zero to 100. So don't panic. Also, children at this age are more interested in the process than the outcome. For example, when baking cookies, a child may show interest in adding the ingredients and stirring, which is the process, but they lose interest when it comes time to bake them, which is the outcome. Now, ultimately, they like the rest of the outcome, which is eating them, <laughs> which is a great, we can connect that, you know, back to the fact that they made them and put them together. So just be aware of that. Their eyes also can be easily strained if they do too much close-up work. They need to be outside regularly where they can focus at objects at the in the distance in order for their eyes to develop properly. They struggle to sit still, duh, right? <laughs> we already know this, but... Just to affirm that your child is normal, they struggle to sit still because they are made to move at this age. It's part of what helps their natural development. Um, So they need to be exploring and running and playing and letting off energy. Um, Also, they steadily improve at receiving correction because they are getting better at reasoning things out. So we can more likely share the whys behind what we're asking them to do and what we're requiring them of them. We can also utilize this to teach them self-control. You know, we start out just dealing with the behavior, but eventually we want them to understand why we want the self-control. They quickly forget things and are easily distracted. Another duh, right? They do. 
But our gentle and timely reminders help this part of their brain develop. That's our job as parents. And the beauty of homeschooling is we get to do that throughout the day, not just the little chunks of time that we get with them in between school when they're tired and worn out and they've used up all their energy. Um, They're beginning to develop a conscience Their moral code is being established and we get to help them with that formation. This is very important. This is one of the many benefits of both homeschooling and of taking an unhurried approach. Also, their large muscles are more developed than their small muscles. So gross motor activities such as running, dancing, and riding a tricycle are better than activities that require fine motor skills such as systematic writing. However, if a child is able and willing... Learning to form letters is fine, especially in short 15 to 20 minute blocks. They may be simultaneously mature in one area and immature in others. So development is uneven during this time. One child may be coordinated on the monkey bars at age six, but not writing well. Another at the same age might be writing well, but not coordinated on the monkey bars. Although there are wide ranges of physical, intellectual, and emotional development at this age, big, really important factor we can relax because things will eventually even out. All right, so let's talk about some of the questions that mom sent. Um, Teresa asked, well, we're going to start with Kristen's question. She said, how to best teach a highly active rising first grader? Okay, so let's answer that question first. Um, I would say, honestly, you know, a lot of breaks. I think I mentioned that already, but our kids took a lot of brain breaks and I just watched their response when they started to just not look like they were like, it looked like they were losing interest. And, um, and I maybe encourage them to focus, but then they're still just kind of losing interest. A 10 or 15 minute break can just be all that they need. A jump on the trampoline, it resets the brain. Um, the other thing is at this age, not too much book work. If you've got them sitting down for two many hours every day. Um, they're just not going to handle that well. You just, you can't expect that, um, especially not in first grade. And the other thing is to just be intentional with what you are doing with them so that you keep their attention and you're doing things in a way that works for them. Some kids do better, you know, doing hands-on. Some kids do better with auditory. They can listen to audiobooks and play with something. A lot of times our boys needed something else to do besides what they were doing. So they would, you know, Sometimes they read upside down, they would sit on, you know, a medicine ball or on the edge of their chair or whatever. And this is the beauty of homeschooling is they have the freedom to do that without anybody making fun of them. So, uh, Jenna, do you have any suggestions for uh, active? Your daughter's pretty, she's pretty good at staying focused. She is, she is, but we do still have to take a lot of breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right, right. 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 Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. 
Right. So Jenna was just sharing. I'm sharing with Instagram right now because they don't get the other, they don't get the, they don't get to hear you, Jenna. So our daughter is sharing that with her six-year-old. She just kind of watches her face and she understands that when she's ready for a break, um, she's, she's ready to cut her loose and her daughter knows that. And so she actually a lot of times ends up saying, no, 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 I'm not done yet. So we want to keep that, that lightness, that freedom, that, um, keep it positive because we want our kids to associate positive emotions with learning. And, and really, honestly, in first grade, there is so much they just can do everyday life things that we can, we can have conversations in the car, we can have conversations at home. Those are all pre-language skills. And so it's not necessary for all of that to happen through writing and a curriculum and all of that sit-down stuff. We can do a lot of it just through conversation. So I think that's really important to remember. Kristen also said that three of her kids say they don't like school which they're 14, 10, and 6. Um, they've already shortened the day to three hours tops most days for their core curriculum. Um, they, she wants tips on how to get the joy of learning back. Sometimes we just need to hit the pause button. We just need to take a break. We need to say, you know what, we're going to take a week off and we're just going to do some other things. And we need to tie those strings of fellowship with our kids, do something fun together. Um, you know, feel free to just take a break from it if that's what you need. Um, the other thing is just to remember, um, do they have a, to think about the, um, the fact or ask yourself this, do they have something to look forward to when they're finished with their schoolwork? Because for our kids, the morning was a very directed time and the afternoon was self-directed. So our kids knew that if they didn't get their stuff done by the time, you know, lunchtime rolled around, when self-directed time hit, which meant they could pursue their hobbies, their interests, whatever those were, they had to finish doing their schoolwork. And they didn't like that. So that was a motivation to them for getting what they would call the harder thing done, the thing that maybe that wasn't quite as much fun. And I'm just going to be honest, kids are going to complain. They just are. Um, they will howl, especially to mom. They'll say how, how awful it is, how miserable it is. And my kids did the same thing. And I was just be like, whatever, you know. <laughs> This is what we're doing, like it or lump it, you know, it's, we want them to love learning, but that doesn't mean that in the morning when we're doing self-directed uh, time that they're going to be all like, oh, mom, let's learn. This is going to be so wonderful. It's not going to happen. You, you don't, don't picture Snow White or Disney or whatever, because it's not going to happen. We just say, hey, we're just doing this thing. You know, now tell me three things you're thankful for today. You know, <laughs> that was always like... Right, 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 right. As they get older, there's an increasing element of discipline. That's very true, Jenna. Good point. So um, I think I, hopefully that answered most of your questions. But I want to go on to Teresa's question because she is a grandmother who is teaching her kindergarten, a kindergartner. It's her granddaughter. And I just think that is so cool. So kudos to homeschooling grandmas. Way to go. Um, she's excited to explore with her grandchild. She says that old dogs can learn new tricks. And that's absolutely the truth. Um, she is really focusing on nature studies. That is an awesome, perfect fit for that age. And she's asking for uh, tools, recommendations for tools. So if you guys want to throw some of that into the comments, you're welcome to do that. Um, Jenna, I know you use some fun things with, with Abby that you might want to throw into the comments if you want to. But um, 
you know, honestly, we kept things pretty simple. I liked them to use real life things. So when they were playing with, um, you know, I would fill up the sink part of the way with water and give them measuring cups, or you could do dry, dry pinto beans. It's a little less messy. Um, you can do, you know, like a sandbox. My, my daughter has a sandbox out in her screened in porch and they have all these measuring cups and measuring spoons and they're learning how many of these go into that they're just and and they're working their gross motor skills and their fine motor skills um so it's all just really um just real life stuff is honestly something you don't have to spend a bunch of money on extra things um and honestly you're not you don't really know at the beginning of the year what's going to interest them that year so you want to put your your little shekels aside and um and and just have it there to draw from as she shows interest in certain things you know like maybe it's a certain point she's really interested in playing dress up or whatever well guess what you know we know that imaginative play is very educational so we're going to maybe go to a yard sale or the goodwill and we're going to pick up some some cl- clothes and a suitcase and so save your save some of that money set aside for when you when you realize your child's actually interested in something and you want to purchase something. So uh, like I said, we don't know what they're going to be interested in. Um, lots of self-directed learning, tuning in to your granddaughter, really getting to know who she is and how her wheels turn, how she thinks, how she learns. Um, just really being a student of her, uh, giving her lots of time and space to play and pursue things that she's interested in. I mean, taking walks, going to the park. I mean, being outside is fabulous. Um, so those are all, we used to have like also counting bears. That was something all of our kids just enjoyed. It was like a hundred of these little colored counting bears and there were several of each color and they would sort and they would learn to count and we could start basic addition just using counting bears. And that was super, super helpful. And they loved just playing with them and handling them. So, um, Jody, my friend Jody's on here. She's library. She says library, living books, free audiobooks, um, counting bears. She said counting bears, exclamation point. So we've got another counting bear fan there. Um, so Brandy says this will be her second year of homeschooling, third grader and first grader. But get this, you guys, she's got three-year-old twins. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to you. But you know what? God put your family together this way. He timed all of this perfectly because he knew this is what your kids needed. He he knew that he could equip you to do this. So first of all, don't let yourself be intimidated by those three-year-old twins or the whole scenario of teaching and having three-year-old twins because God has a way for you each day. And I think that's my always my biggest thing is pray. Ask God for wisdom. But um, she says she her biggest time, her biggest challenge is finding time and feeling like she's giving her older two kids enough direction and instruction rather than just tossing them a book, um, a workbook and hoping they understand what to do. But it doesn't have to be quite that extreme. We can give them a workbook and say, hey, I'm right here if you need any help. Um, One great thing is learning, uh, teaching our kids to be independent as early as possible. We don't want them overly dependent on them, but on us, but you know, obviously in first grade, they need some direction. They need us to be by their side. Once they're reading, writing, and doing basic math, they really can do a lot on their own and we're just available to them. Sometimes they don't understand directions, but even then it's important for them to try, especially if they're in third grade and they're and they're reading fairly well. 
I would say, read the directions to me. What do you think they're telling you to do? And have them explain the directions. There's a whole lot of pre-language skills and communication and processing, auditory processing, that is going on there that is part of their education. And so just simple things like that are actually teaching them a lot. And these are foundational things that are super important to have in place before they get into higher learning. And so many of these things happen naturally as we just sort of follow that nurturing nature we already have as a parent. I always tell moms, be a parent first and a teacher second. Don't try to be teacher first because that never works. (laughs) I mean, teacher will rise periodically um, as you're nurturing. I feel like teaching happens pretty naturally if you are focused on nurturing your child. Would you agree with that, Jenna? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, so some ideas, because she's asking for ideas. Um, first, I want you to understand that third grade and first grade are still very young. They're still doing very basic things, and you don't have to have this massive overloaded agenda for this age, okay? Keeping things fairly simple and basic and primary and straightforward is really probably the best because you're laying a foundation for higher learning right now. And laying a foundation um, is not the fun part of building a house, right? It's the boring part, but it's really, really, really important, right? You've got to do all the measuring. You've got to make sure you're pouring the concrete on in the right uh weather. You can't, you you don't want to do it in too cold or too hot because you want it to set. So there's a lot of, um, there's actually a lot of parallels there, but things have to be square and level. And guess what? We can do that by taking our time and making sure that they're mastering the basic skills at that age. Okay. Um, The other thing we have to uh, consider is possibly, because I know that three-year-olds can be challenging there could be some character issues that need to be worked on with your three-year-olds. If they are running the household, you have a problem. Discipline, very, very important. Boundaries, very, very important. Teaching them to be able to self-entertain for 20 minutes at a time is not unreasonable at three years old. It may take some training. Um, There are some things that I used to do with our younger kids to kind of help that along. Um, When we weren't trying to do school, I would spend time um, in the afternoon or some other time of the day when they were not tired or hungry. I would take the younger ones and teach them to stay in one spot on a blanket or whatever with a certain certain toys that were just for that time or certain activity that was just for that time. And I would set a timer and I would start out by having them do it for five minutes and then 10 minutes and then 15 and slowly working them up to the 20 minutes so that I could have a 20 minute, 15 to 20 minute block of time as necessary to help an older child. And that was probably one of the most helpful things I did. And the other thing that I did was take, um, assign an older child to a younger child for a 15 to 20 minute seg- uh, segment of time with an activity that the older child picked out to do with them that was special. So I'm also nurturing sibling relationships there by giving them one-on-one time together. And with eight kids, that was a lot of coordinating. Um, and it never went perfectly. It never did. But it worked fairly well, um, I can say overall. And it really um, had, had it had multiple benefits. And this is actually part of the answer to Darcy's question. She's talking, She's she asked a question, um, we'll be getting to that in just a minute, uh, about uh, 
dealing with littles while you're while you've got um, older kids that you're trying to teach. Um, let me see what else I've got in my notes here. I think that was it. We really, uh, I think that was that was the the balance of what I had to share with that. So I'm going to actually go to Darcy's question since it fell right in line with what we were just talking about. Um, she says. How do you stay focused with your school age kids when you have babies and toddlers in the mix? And she said, please don't make a busy, don't say a busy box. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what a busy box even is. Um, it sounds like it could be a great idea and it, and it probably is in some circumstances. Um, I think it's probably just special things that they get to play with only during that time. Uh, so yes, I hear you, Darcy. Um, I, I also know that you have a very broad range of kids, and I'm going to guess that there's probably some things along the line that have worked for you in the past, because I know you have older kids that are in college, they're college age. So at some point along the way, it might be a good idea to reflect, when you've done it in the past, what are some things that have worked? Um, I know that basically your entire crew is, are all boys, which brings in more challenges because they're physically active and moving all the time. Um, you know, you probably know a lot of this. <laughs> you know, trampolines, um, active, maybe taking turns, um, going to another space in the house and being active while you're working with another child, assigning an older child to a younger child, like I mentioned before, um, for 15 to 20 minute increments. And can I just remove the mom guilt here? If you need to use the TV, for a short time, it's okay. Like there's a lot of good stuff out there that's educational, that keeps their attention. Let it be a special time, not something, if they watch it for four or five hours a day, it's not gonna be special for that 20 minutes that you need it to keep their attention. So uh, I'm just gonna you know, set you free from that guilt. Obviously we're not doing this for hours on end, but short, uh, short segments of time, totally fine. You know, we're just trying to do the best we can, and God's going to honor that. So there's grace upon grace upon grace. Don't forget that. All right. Um, let's see. And again, Jenna, you feel free to type in anything you want. If you want to, if there's any um, questions or any things in there you want to respond to, feel free to do that. I, I, I didn't think this through because we can't hear her voice on Instagram. So while you're talking, they're sitting there going, what is she doing? <laughs> And, and uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm listening and, uh, you know, so I'm trying to make sure that I repeat what you do say to them because it's, it's, it's good. She's, she's been there as the child, but now she's the adult with her own six and two year old. So she's, uh, she's on the other end of the spectrum. And from what I'm hearing from her and her sister, it's a very different position. <laughs> you, yes, she's, she's going, yes, 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 it is because you're responsible. So, all right, one last question. Um, this gal, I'm trying to, I, I didn't get her name down. Sorry about that. Um, but she said she'd really like to have her boys, first and fourth grade, do history and science together to save time and planning. If not um, next year, then in the near future. Is this too much of an age gap, uh, the though maturity wise do you have any suggestions or resources that you would recommend okay so parents moms who are watching drop in some recommendations if you have them and i'm going to share what we did because um it was very simple at this particular age i would just encourage simply reading out loud reading biographies of um notable figures in uh, in history so that they become somewhat familiar with those characters. And then when they are older, 
and they start to do a more full curriculum, because this is what we did, we waited, and I'll explain why in a minute, a more full curriculum for history and science, they had um, bits and pieces, and they could connect the dots, because developmentally they were ready for it, and those dots were there to connect. Now, a lot of times, we think of learning as linear, which math is very linear. There's certain things that are linear, but most things are not. They're more like networks. So what you're doing in the younger years is you're creating networks, and eventually they start to connect. And I believe that a lot of that happens in the later years, middle school and high school. And that's why we decided not to do anything super structured when it came to science and history in kindergarten through at least sixth grade. Um, it, it worked very, very well. When they got into junior high or high school, then we encouraged more structure for that. But then developmentally, they're able to step back and really appreciate what history has to offer on more than one level. Like it's not just about these things that happen in these timelines and yeah, that happened, but it's not meaningful. It's not actually meaningful until you're older and your brain is developed and ready to really encompass that. And um, and I think our kids really uh, embraced history and, you know, it depends on the kid, you know, some, some, some tended to like science better than history, but they embraced one or the other pretty wholeheartedly with us taking that approach. Um, it doesn't mean you're not doing fun science projects in the kitchen. Like the kids would always like to do that volcano thing where you do the vinegar and the baking soda. That was a hoot for them, right? I loved the stuff in the kitchen because it was always stuff I had on hand. I was all about practicality. Like I don't want to buy 40 million things to do a, pro, a, a science project when they're in fourth grade or third grade. Like I don't mind buying a few things, but you know, I, I just, I didn't think it was necessary. Okay, so the only thing that Jenna ever remembers us buying was a dissection kit for science, and that was in high school. And they were, and it was, it was life changing, not in a good way. <laughs> but I felt like, you know, we've got these dead frogs. We should go probably go ahead and cut them open and see what's inside. Oh, she had a, she had a crawfish. Oh, it's a lovely smell. You never forget it, do you? It's very memorable. So uh, that's my kind of my take on science and history. And the other reason that I did that is because I, when, when we hit those years, I thought to myself, how much science and history do I actually remember from elementary school? Pretty much zip. But I remembered a lot more from high school. So I thought, well, if we can just dabble as they're interested, and this is the key, as they're interested because what they're interested in they're going to remember so instead of going through a set curriculum in school that has so many big pieces to it that they don't really care about we're only pursuing the things that strike up an interest in them so um anyway i that was our personal approach obviously parents you can make your own decision um, i often tell people you know some people ask me wow, how did you, how did you come to this simple approach? You know, cause a lot of, I wrote the unhurried homeschooler five years ago and I've had tons and tons of response to it, positive response and saying how it's really set them free. How, you know, how did you come up with this plan? And I'm like, it was not because I was so smart. It was like, it got to the point where I was like, okay, I've got eight kids. I'm either going to go to the nut house or I'm going to simplify. And I decided, I, I decided to simplify. <laughs> it was not a hard decision. <laughs> 
But I did struggle along the way sometimes wondering, is it enough? Is it enough? And I would pray about it. And it was like God would say, he would remind me of the loaves and fishes, right? Jesus just told the disciples, you need to feed these 5,000. And they looked at him like he was crazy, right? Like he had three heads. What are you thinking? We can't make the money. We can't, we can't do this. We, have to, we don't have the resources. And he said, well, bring me what you do have. Not what you don't have, right? I'm paraphrasing. Uh, bring me what you do have, not what you don't have. And they did, and he blessed it, and he made it enough. And that's what I watched God do over and over and over and over again. So he will multiply your efforts. That's absolutely right, Jenna. Thank you. All right. So I think I'm done with the pre-ask questions. Let's let's look um, down here. I'm going to look through some of the questions, see if there's anything that I need to answer. Christina shares so much learning can be done orally. I speak from experience at a young age with very active kiddos. We did math using manipulatives or sometimes using a whiteboard to do a few problems. You can also do lots of fun math games or have them set set up and move through an obstacle course as they work out math problems in their head. Ooh, that's a good one. For example, quiz them on addition or subtraction facts and have them shoot a Nerf gun at a target or knock over items when they get one correct. I love that. That is such a great, those are fantastic ideas. Thank you for sharing that, Christina. I'm telling you, homeschool moms are the most creative and resourceful women on the planet. It's it's amazing. So if you're thinking about homeschooling, you've got a, a wealth of information and a wealth of experience and wisdom in a community of homeschooling moms. Um, so just don't be afraid. Christine also says kindergarten for us was reading tons of picture books and taking lots of nature hikes. Amen. That's great advice to use everyday objects to learn through play. They can count and sort things like jelly beans or M&Ms for a fun and delicious activity. She's got great ideas. I love this. She frequents the children's museums, playgrounds, parks, story time at the library, other free or cheap activities we could find in our city, and we played with tons of Play-Doh. That's exactly, we were the same way. Um, We were home probably more because of the (laughs) logistics of all the children. But that's what God had for us. The beautiful thing about homeschooling is you get to go to those places when everybody else is in school and you can get discounts. A lot of places will offer discounts off season or discounts for homeschoolers. So make sure you check into that because there's a lot of um, a lot of things available for homeschoolers now. So, so many great resources. I'm scrolling through here. Uh, okay, on Instagram, um, someone says, Fun Schooling Nature Journal. I love the Fun Schooling website and all of her resources. Sarah Brown does an amazing job. The woman has 15 children. So she has, but she has a plethora of nature journals and they're super fun for kids. So the Fun Schooling Nature Journal, if you're going to be having your kids outside, that's a great suggestion. Um, yeah, let's see here. Okay. Sorry, this is um, great. Okay, just lots of people joining. That's wonderful to see and hear. All right, I think we have pretty much answered all the questions. One last comment from Christina. Oh my goodness, she's hilarious. Team TV here, right? Lifting the mom guilt. My kids learned their letters and sounds by watching Leapfrog. Same here. Uh, that was like a major supplement to what we were doing. Uh, Leapfrog DVDs over here and... 
over and over in the car during an eight-hour drive moving from Delaware to California. Well, bless your heart. That is awesome. That's a lot of hours, man. There's some serious homeschooling hours. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, I just want to say thanks for being here. I'm going to uh, sign off on GarageBand. Um, that's where I'm recording for the podcast. So uh, everyone on the podcast, thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to sign off there. I hope you guys have a great day. Bye.